fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. It is a Monday kicking off a brand new week. You're excited. I'm excited. You scream ice cream. We all scream for ice cream. That's what it's all about here on this program. Welcome into the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death. Always appreciate you hanging out with us today. Big show lined up, and holy cow, breaking news. I think you're excited about it, and I think this is something that we shout out for with ice cream. Everybody, can we have an ice cream party today, please? (laughs) Because that would be awesome. As apparently Anthony Fauci is on his way out the door from the... Um, being the infectious disease expert of the federal government for the last 25, 30 years. He is done. He is out finito, and he's going to be up by the end of this year. Holy cow. What sparked that? What sparked that? And where is he going? We'll talk about that here in just a second. Also, Mark Mix. He is the head of the National Right to Work Committee, also the National Right to Work Legal Foundation. Uh, He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act. We'll get your thoughts and his thoughts on how it's going to affect the market, how it's going to affect jobs, what industries are going to be under attack, and what it's going to do with unions. Because obviously unions are all about trying to take advantage of a situation. Never let a crisis go to waste. That's why unions and progressive Democrats work hand-in-hand together. And if you work for a union, I feel very, very bad for you. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Also, are student loans and their payments about ready to come back? Are they going to be reemerging if you have federal student loans? They've been on hold during the COVID-19 pandemic really since 2020. It's been like two years since we haven't had to pay on federal student loans. Now, unfortunately, all my student loans that I have, which are a vast amount, are all private. So I've been paying on them regardless of the COVID-19 pandemic, except for just a small portion of them that were federal. But is it the time to bring those back now during the time of insane inflation and an Inflation Reduction Act that does not actually stop? inflation in any way shape or form so obviously there's a lot of things to talk about we'll try and cram as much of it as can into this program as we usually try to do here on a monday episode of the voice of reason but first let's get into our what's trending what's trending today oh by the way i hope you guys had a great weekend and i'll let you it is closer to the labor day weekend we are two weeks away from labor day can you imagine that is the wrapping up essentially the unofficial wrapping up of summer and going into fall little voice of reasons back at school she loves it too Man, she's all excited to be back in class. She is in the third grade this year, which is hard to believe. She's going up so fast. Bring a tear to my eye. So big story of the day today. Obviously, Anthony Fauci, the head medical chief advisor for the federal government, has stepped away after more than 50 years in public service. And I say bye, Felicia. Oh, boy. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. According to CNBC.com, the 81-year-old has started during the Reagan administration and is set to go to his, quote, next chapter of his career. I don't know what that next chapter could potentially be because 
He's 81 years old and he's been with the federal government for 50 plus years. I hope that you've made all the money that you can from abusing individuals by bullying individuals, by blackmailing people for the last two years, forcing them to get an injection that they didn't necessarily need to get with the COVID-19 pandemic. And you getting kickbacks from that. And now you're worth near ten and a half million dollars. I hope you got all that was worth of that. I hope that you got everything you were looking forward to getting. And now you're on your way out the door to try and retire, which we're not going to let you retire because once we do gain the vast majority in the House and in the Senate, we are investigating your ass and you're going to be in jail here, hopefully relatively soon, because you're a fraud, you're a scamster, and you botched every pandemic that came to the nation for the last 50 years. How you were able to maintain the head chief medical advisor position for 50 years as the head infectious disease expert blows my mind and really shows the lack of quality that the federal government holds. Remember the old joke, the old adage of, you know, well, it's good enough for government work, and then we go on when it's only halfway done. Yeah, that apparently comes into perfect fruition when we talk about someone like Anthony Fauci, who's a complete disaster. He was a disaster. Now, I was not around at that time because I was born in 1988. Yes, you can make fun of me for that, for being young and uh, not being experienced in the world of politics. But I think we've worked very hard to try and prove ourselves on this radio show that we kind of sort of at least know what we're talking about. But you botched the AIDS pandemic in the 80s when you told everybody that, you know, you could transmit it just by looking at individuals. And therefore, you had, you know, public schools that were just panicking and freaking out about uh, being able to spread AIDS. You botched that one completely. I understand that the science evolves, but apparently now science has evolved so much that it's leaving the office. (laughs) See, remember Dr. Fauci saying that he is science, not that he supports science, not that he follows the science, but that he is science. So anybody that contradicted him during the AIDS pandemic of the 80s, all the way up to the COVID pandemic over the last two years, then they are against science because he is science, according to himself. So let's run run through some of this, shall we? He was a disaster during the AIDS pandemic with just essentially saying, hey, if you just touch uh, an individual, if you just look at them, if you're in their parameter, then you're probably going to get AIDS and you're probably going to die. Then we move on to, according to this, they, they gave him the rundown of all the great things that he helped with the HIV and AIDS pandemic, the West Nile virus, the, uh, the 2001 anthrax attacks, the pandemic influenza, various bird influenza threats, Ebola, Zika virus, and most recently COVID-19 and the monkeypox. Name one of those that were actually a success where the government handled the issue appropriately. One of Just one of those that was under his watch. West Nile virus, everybody was in pandemonium. Didn't understand. It was the mosquito. They were going to kill us. Everybody was scared to even go outside. He spread the fear during the West Nile virus. Now, was it a concern? Absolutely. It's a cause for concern. We didn't know how it affected animals or humans, but he botched that one. The 2001 anthrax attacks. I remember that being a child after 9-11 and hearing about anthrax, where again, anybody with a baggie of like salt or white powder, they lost their minds. Didn't really do a whole lot of really good explanation showing that anthrax was a natural virus that you could find even in like insulation, but none though, we're all going to die from it. Pandemic influenza. Well, influenza has been around forever, but by golly, it's going to kill us under Fauci. Various bird influenza threats, Ebola, Zika virus, COVID pandemic, which is a disaster. Now monkeypox, which I don't know if you see the, uh, the uh, cyclical 
um, uh, I guess the the geometry here, the symmetry that's going on, monkeypox that's affecting predominantly a certain demographic or a certain lifestyle of individual affected the first group that he started with with HIV and AIDS, and he botched that one. He's botching this one again already, and he finally, I think, is starting to realize, you know what, maybe I should just hit the road, Jack, because I'm obviously not the guy to properly handle and be the leader through these medical issues, through these medical pandemics, because the monkeypox is spreading the same way that HIV and AIDS was being spread in the 1980s, and he still isn't getting it right. Because they're not talking about the actual issue. Hey, there's a certain lifestyle and it's spreading predominantly as in 95 to 98% of all the cases of monkeypox that's outside of Africa and the certain areas where it's a normal thing. Maybe we should just be a little cautious here. Be aware of this lifestyle. We don't need a vaccine. We don't need a pandemic again. We don't need to declare an emergency. We don't need vaccines for it. We just need to be aware this is the lifestyle that more than likely spreads the virus. We're seeing it in 95 to 98% of cases. Be aware you run at your own risk if you choose that lifestyle. Nothing against the lifestyle. I'm not trying to preach against it. I don't really care what you do in your personal life. Makes no difference to me in any way, shape, or form. But there are risk factors. Same thing as if you're an individual that likes to sleep around with many individuals. We were just talking about this off the air uh, with another individual across the studio there at the sports station that we have here in the Wichita market, that whether you're part of the LGBTQ community and gay, or whether you're an individual that just likes to sleep around a lot and sleeps with, you know, 20, 30, 40 women or men, doesn't matter. There's there's still a uh, risk factor to that of an STD or other issues. There are lifestyle consequences if you choose to do these certain things. Monkeypox now is one of them. I don't care what you do, but we don't need to declare an emergency because of a lifestyle that spreads the virus to other individuals with that lifestyle. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And now, conveniently, Fauci is going to leave by the end of this year with the same type of lifestyle virus that's spreading when he started to where he's ending. Now, how much does Fauci make? Because I looked it up. And back in 2014, when things were just kind of coasted along during the Obama administration, we were under the uh, maybe the West Nile virus. I think that was about the time of the Ebola or the Zika virus around that time. Uh, he was making $335,000 a year, which is absolutely absurd. But you know what? There's private doctors that make just about that much or more in the private sector. So, okay, fine. By 2020, when the pandemic hit, they bumped him up to $500,000, and now he's worth $10.5 million. Now, I don't know how he stacked away $10.5 million, making you know $500K over the last two years, uh, or $300,000 before that. He must be one of those guys that never spends any money and saves up, right? <laughs> I'm sure. Or he's getting money elsewhere. Now, we know of some kickbacks that he's made with the COVID-19 vaccine or injection, because it's not technically a vaccine yet until they actually approve it through the CDC as an actual legitimate vaccine. But he's gotten a lot of kickbacks from that, along with many in the CDC and the FDA and the NIH as well, with kickbacks as being part of those that designed them, quote-unquote, or patented them, which is why and explains perfectly why they pushed the COVID-19 vaccine so hard onto the American public, saying that you will die, you will spread the virus, and you will be the detriment to society unless you get the vaccine. Now they're like, oh, we don't care. Even if you get positive, you don't have to go in quarantine anymore because he's on the way out and he doesn't care. So apparently being 81 years old, 
being worth $10.5 million just quite isn't enough because he says that he's ready for his new chapter and the next chapter in his life. What the next chapter is, not quite sure. It could be sitting at home with his $10.5 million rocking on his front porch and just watching everybody you know, get sick because of the COVID-19 vaccine, or it could be doing something in the private sector, probably with big pharma to where he's making a buttload of money as well, because he's already making a buttload of money working with them and approving the stuff that they're ramming through. But there's another theory as well. And the other theory is that he's maybe just a little bit scared of the Republican control that's about to take place in November in the House and in the Senate. And when that does happen, could you imagine the investigations that are going to be laid down onto Dr. Anthony Fauci of the NIH. Can you imagine what those are going to look like when we proved, we showed black and white very evidently how much he has lied, how much he has misled, how much he has manipulated, how much he has covered up, and how much he has done in harm of the nation during the COVID-19 pandemic, which just bleeds into how he responded to all the other pandemics leading all the way up back to when he took office during the Reagan administration and the AIDS pandemic, he has not changed. He's not gotten any better. He's been the same this entire time, and it's finally coming out. As we say all the time, whether it's a month, a day, or a couple of years, the truth always comes out in the end. And the truth will come out in the end. And could you imagine Republicans running the House and the Senate and Republican control running these investigative committees and having a Rand Paul and a Roger Marshall-led Senate and a Jim Jordan-led House investigative committee grilling Anthony Fauci when he leaves office. And when we take over in January, guess what? You may be retired. You may be leaving the NIH. You're not going anywhere out of D.C. because we're going to hold your ass to the fire and we're going to show and expose everything that you've done to destroy us. The voice of reason. With Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. By the way, those that do listen to us and watch us on the live streams on the Ops Lens, you got to give those guys a shout out. As we work and partnered with OpsLens, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com. Also, their app that you can download on your smartphone and their social media. Make sure to go and like them as well. We've been, last week we dealt with a little bit of a weird like humming or buzzing in the background for the audio. And it was kind of glitching on the video. It looks like the video is cleared up today. And we've been working on doing some video or some cord upgrades here in the studio for a little bit clearer sound. And I think... We've gotten rid of the buzzing or the humming, or at least most of it. So that way it should be some clear audio coming to you now. And if you are watching or listening to it, then let me know. Also, just say hi, leave a comment, share it out onto your own social media, break those algorithms to make sure that uh, we get exposed. Because I guarantee you with the comment we just talked about that last segment, probably just put us on the quote unquote medical misinformation censorship list for social media. Just throwing it out there. I don't know. So you may have to go find it on the Opslens app and listen to it there or watch it there because the social media may not like us for a whole lot longer after what we just said about Anthony Fauci. Because remember, he's not following science. He doesn't believe in science. He is science. And now, and now, and now science is leaving the building. <laughs> Eric Schmidt, he's the attorney general for the state of Missouri. He's also the Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. 
going into the midterms. He was on Newsmax just today talking about the issue, and this is what he had to say. Well, it can't come soon enough on one hand. On the other hand, I would suggest that Anthony Fauci clear his calendar for 2023 just because he's uh, resigning before the Republicans take over Congress and the Senate will not excuse him from being called in to testify about his many lies and his deceit uh, during COVID-19. That's one thing we've taken on here in Missouri. We were the first to sue on OSHA's vaccine mandate. We sued on mask mandates in local uh, school districts and municipalities. And Fauci's not going to get away with it um, by just resigning in December. Uh, he ought to be called in before Congress and testify under oath about what he knew and when he knew it, gain-of-function research, the lies the CDC uh, pushed out about the efficacy of masks. Missouri has a lawsuit right now about uh, Fauci coordinating with big tech to silence dissent and outsourcing censorship to big tech companies. So he's got a lot of uh, questions that need to be answered, and I look forward to hopefully being a part of that next year. Just imagine, man. Imagine the amount of personal ego narcissism that someone like Fauci has to corrupt the entire nation just for the personal profit for him to gain about $10.5 million in net value in order for him just to force individuals onto a vaccine, force people into a year of mask wearing when we realized, and we've been saying it since the beginning, that unless you had an N95 mask, that a regular cloth mask did absolutely zero zilch, nada, finito, nothing against the COVID-19 pandemic and against the COVID-19 virus because the virus was so small that it would go right through the cloth mask fabric. Nothing. Unless you needed an N95 or stronger. We knew that from day one. We found the emails where Anthony Fauci uh, just found that and just washed it under the rug. We found out where he lied. We found out that he was part of the gain of function that allowed the creation of the coronavirus number 19 virus out of the Wuhan lab in China, where then he said that even it coming out of Wuhan was a complete fabrication and misinformation and social media jumped on board and silenced anybody that was talking about it. I always believe that the light comes out in the dark, that the truth always comes out in the end, that the good will always win against evil. And it may not be immediate, but it will happen at one point in time, either in this life or the next. I, I strongly believe that because there is nothing that uh, where bad or evil can come and actually dominate and win at the end of the day. And this is one of those scenarios where, guess what? You tried to do too much, and we're calling your bluff, and now we're seeing the lie after lie after lie. And now that you realize that we've caught on to you, and now that we realize that we're going to dominate Washington, D.C. here in the next few months, and now that you realize that we have momentum in this side and we're not listening to you any longer, now's your time to bow out. Guess what? It's not going to last. It's not going to last. You'll be spending that $10.5 million in jail trying to find, you know, a nice cable TV channel and some snacks from the vending machine. At least that's the hope. Mark Mix, National Right to Work Committee, right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason for a Monday. Stay good. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome out into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Always a pleasure to have you on here. Beriendo el sueño. Polishing up on my Spanish. Apparently, that means living the dream, which is what we say on this program all the time. So, welcome into it here on a Monday. Uh, 
Anthony Fauci on the way out the door, and I think that's something to celebrate. I told you that we were going to have a bit of a celebration today, so knock one back and let's have a, uh, just for a second, just for a second. Here we go. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no I mean, more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. <laughs> the, the liar, the fraud, and the cheater out and he'll be out by the end of the year but you're not going anywhere because guess what the investigations will be happening pretty soon in probably february of next year once republicans take control of the house and the senate which i am optimistic about let's move uh shift gears just a little bit here into our latest in what's trending what's trending today really happy to have this guy back on the program he's one of our favorite guests to have on on a semi-regular basis talking about economic issues and other things he's the president of the national rights work committee he's also the president of the national right to work legal defense foundation as well happy to have back on mark mix with us mark how are you my friend I'm doing fine, Andy. It's, uh, you're way too happy for a Monday, but uh, I appreciate your celebrations and all that other stuff. <laughs> I mean, you got to celebrate when, when a fraudster in D.C. goes away. And I, I was a bit surprised of his announcement of him leaving. I mean, why do you think timing now? I find it ironic that he went from the AIDS pandemic in the 80s to the monkeypox pandemic in 2022 when he's leaving. And I, I don't know why. He made $10.5 million. He's getting kickbacks from the COVID-19 vaccine i take that the injections and the shots that's not technically a vaccine yet but why do you think now the timing's a little strange well i suspect uh, as you indicated andy the politics may have something to do with it he may be very worried that by the time january rolls around next year that there's going to be a whole lot more interest in actually what happened behind the scenes at the wuhan lab and who funded the gain of function activity and some of the things we're learning about and you know senator Rand paul who's the primary sponsor of the national right to work act he's been a good friend of our issue but he has indicated that he's very, very interested in getting into a little more detail about what happened, when it happened, and why it happened. And I suspect that uh, Fauci, who's going to have the best pension of any government employee in the history of America, even better than the president of the United States, well, he'll be paid more in his retirement than the president of the United States gets paid. But uh, he may just want to look for uh, you know, more favorable venues, which... Who knows where that's going to be? Well, that is true. He's probably going to have to pay a pretty high attorney's fee as well, because like you said, with all the information coming out, and I'm glad you guys are investigating it a little bit deeper, I'd love to see a flow chart and the timeline on when everything happened between when he tried to throw stuff under the rug for the mask mandates and the stuff about Wuhan, China, and the gain-of-function investments and so on and so forth, and when he denied all those, and then, of course, the uh, the quality and the uh, response from the vaccine. I would love to see all this, and I really hope that we do have some investigations in D.C. shortly after January where we could start looking into the stuff a bit deeper. Yeah, absolutely, and there's going to be a lot of oversight work that's going to have to be done, um, including what the President of the United States just signed this past week in the so-called in Inflation Reduction Act, which is nothing of the kind. But, Andy, one of the big parts of that bill, and this is probably no surprise to you and, and not a surprise to many folks across the country, and particularly in Kansas that are listening, that it is generally designed by the White House's statement of its own, and they put out after he signed it, that President Biden is the most pro-worker, pro-union president in history, and the Inflation Reduction Act builds on that legacy. And let me translate that for you. It's not pro-worker, pro-union. It's pro-forced unionism and pro-big labor. That's what we've got in spades in this so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. The Inflation Reduction Act officially signed by Joe Biden last week, which, again, I don't think it has anything at all in any way she performed, not even a focus of inflation 
at all because it's a kind of a revamp of the Green New Deal turned Build Back Better plan turns now Inflation Reduction Act, where it's really just a quote unquote investment, a.k.a. big government spending on certain pet projects the Democrats wanted for years. Yeah, that's right. Um, the so-called Green New Deal stuff, the the climate change agenda that he's been pushing. And, you know, one of the most dramatic impacts of all that is very straight up and forward. This Inflation Reduction Act will actually increase the cost of uh, government construction by forcing and giving credits to businesses that pay the so-called prevailing union wages and hire registered union trained apprenticeships. And basically what they say, taking out and, and don't, not allowing work to be undercut by low road contractors. You know, those, those low road contractors, this is actually reading out of the statement from the White House. Those low road contractors are, are some of mom pop small business contractors, the like 86% who are non-union across the country that will not be able to participate in any of the so-called inflation reduction spending, which obviously, Andy, as you probably remember, most of the folks on the other side back in the day said you never increase government spending during inflationary times, but or increase taxes, or in, in this case, the bill does that too, when we're having inflation, but it's a new day in Washington. Yeah, that's what's happening across the board right now. To them, and in the geniuses' minds in Washington, D.C., is when you have a 9.2% inflation rate across the nation, then you spend more money, and you print more money, and then you tax more individuals, and apparently that's going to lower inflation, and that's from Yellen with the Treasury Department, that's from the Biden administration, and the Democrats continue to try and defend that for some reason, and I just don't grasp that concept. Yeah, it, it really is uh, interesting, and, and I think any type of economic, fiscal, or monetary policy that comes out of Washington, D.C., no matter who's in charge, is as confusing as it gets. I mean, inflation is a very simple concept. I mean, it's more money chasing the same amount or fewer goods. And obviously, with the economy over the last two and a half years, and with supply chain problems and all the other things that are going on, and, and the Biden administration's desire to eliminate our energy independence, to put energy employees and union members, for that matter, Andy, on the unemployment line by radically changing the way we're going to power this economy and, and focusing on things that are unproven and unreliable, um, like we've seen in the past, I mean, is a real problem. This, it's really very, very simple. You don't increase government spending and get more dollars out chasing the same amount or fewer goods. You just don't do it. It causes inflation. But yet, white is black, black is white, right is wrong, wrong is right. And uh, when Washington speaks, we ought to just basically plug our ears and go about our business. Well, apparently it's opposite day in Washington, D.C. Let's talk about energy for a second. Obviously, we've seen some high gas prices. We've seen the high uh, electric and natural gas prices throughout the summer here in the middle part of the country where I'm based out of with our flagship station. I mean, we have, we've been battling triple-digit weather for the last month, uh, all the way down from Texas, all the way up into Kansas, Nebraska, where, where we are here. This winter, we heard that we're going to get exceptionally cold temperatures like we did last year, where we had to spend massive amounts of money for natural gas and electricity, where the natural gas went to $600 a cubic foot, and I'm still paying off a $1,000 electric bill uh, or a natural gas bill from last year's cold stint because of how crazy that was. Is this going to get any better now? Because we still can't drill. The oil companies still can't actually produce or make any more any, uh, make make any more energy right now. The unionized companies are even struggling. What's the future look like after this bill passes for energy in the country? Well, it looks like obviously you want to you want to create other energy sources. We move into the future, but the problem is, Andy, just as you articulate, you can't turn on a switch when the temperature drops below zero or goes above a hundred and expect that power is going to be there if you are eliminating and delaying or 
basically putting off energy projects that heretofore have provided those energy needs for the country. And, you know, over the last just two years ago, we were energy independent. We had all the, the energy that we needed and any of the, all the, the fuels and the natural gas and the gasoline that we needed, we were producing on our own and not relying on anybody else for it. And what he's doing here, you know, that this so-called Inflation Reduction Act has, uh, quote, clean energy tax credits that will be increased by 10% if the clean energy projects are established in communities that have previously relied on the extraction process. So we're going to turn off the extraction process and expect that these so-called climate change projects and sustainable energy projects will be online immediately. That's just not true. And we're going to see the brownouts again in California and Texas and all over the country when the weather gets a little bit uh, cold, like it does in the winter and hot in the summer, which is as done since the beginning of time, um, as it relates to how the sun comes up and goes down and where it's positioned. And we're going to find out that that energy is probably not available. And so this is all kowtowing to you know his constituencies of big labor bosses, not rank and file union members, that's for sure, as you pointed out, but to the politicians and the politics of getting top union bosses here in Washington, D.C. to spend more money on pet politicians to give them more power and the ability to force more workers to pay union dues. It really is not that difficult. It's not that complicated. It's about rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies. And that's what this Biden administration seems to be doing. Yeah, this is the typical pet project uh, stuff that you would see kind of slipped into major bills. And we just passed one on its own, on just its own merit of just pet projects for Democrats here. Let's take it a step further. We also look at like the auto industry where they want electric vehicles being punched out like by an 80 to 90 percent ratio uh, over regular vehicles by like 2030, 2040 and moving forward. Uh, that's going to put the additional strain onto. So while we can't turn on the switch because we don't have the coal or the natural gas or the electricity in some way to power our house, we now have an electric vehicle we have to plug in at the same time that's going to pull more juice from the system on a grand scale across the nation. Um, and that's going to be insane, uh, Mark. We got about forty seconds here before we have to take a break. But your thoughts on that? Uh, oh, you mean when you when you plug in an electric vehicle, you, doesn't the electricity just come from the building that you plug it in from? Isn't it? <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah Help me right. with this, Andy. Help me. Help me. Oh, man, it doesn't make any sense to me. We've got to take a break here. It's Mark Mix, National Right to Work Committee, also National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. When we come back, Mark, I want to talk about some of the lawsuits that you guys are working on and some of the latest cases, because I know you've been working hard. And the last time we talked, you guys were on the brink of some really good stuff trying to uh, break through some of these unionized powers. But imagine even the unions have to be struggling with some of this madness unless they're part of these special pet projects from the Democrats and they're rolling in it. Outside of that, these smaller companies are dying. And with the industries that are being forcefully changed when the market's not ready for them, we're going to be dying. And that's going to be the future of energy here in this nation. I want to talk about health care as that's included in this Inflation Reduction Act as well. And of course, some of the latest uh, legal issues as well. It's a Monday. A lot of things to cover. A lot of things to talk about here with this Inflation Reduction Act that's not really lowering inflation in any way, shape or form. More on this coming back on a Monday for the Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. Thanks for hanging out today on a Monday, getting your week started. We got a lot to get to this week. Tomorrow, hold on here. Roll across the studio. Tomorrow, David Horowitz coming on the program. Excited for that one. We got a laundry list of awesome guests to get to 
throughout this entire week. So make sure to stay tuned in for that. Until then, we're rocking right now with the man himself, the National Right to Work Committee, Mr. Mark Mix, as we talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, the lowering of inflation by printing more money and investing more money at the federal level, because that makes all the sense in the world when you live in opposite land. Thank you, Joe Biden, for that. Mark, uh, before we shift gears here real quickly, let's talk about the healthcare industry. Obviously, there's a massive uh, unionization. A lot of workers in the healthcare industry, they've been strained during the COVID-19 pandemic. This bill as well takes Obamacare to the next level, continues to centralize the healthcare industry. What could we see in healthcare over the next couple of years once this bill starts taking effect? Yeah, this is, as you write correctly, you state, Andy, this is the kind of the expansion of the federal control over our healthcare systems. I mean, obviously, the bigger the government involvement gets, the more likely it is that ultimately we end up with a one size fits all, everybody healthcare program, socialized medicine that probably has a pretty strong forced unionism component in it. One of the things that uh, Biden and this administration want to continue to do is to put their finger on the thumb of the scales when it comes to forcing workers into unions. And no, there's no clearer evidence than the their ability to try to repeal all 27 right-to-work laws, including Kansas's, by passing the so-called PRO Act, which you and I have talked about before. Uh, fortunately, it's bottled up in the Senate. But this is just an indication that the bigger the government involvement gets, the more likely it is that the control mechanism by folks like Joe Biden and his administration um, are going to empower union officials, the union elites back here in Washington, giving them more power over workers. And that includes the health care system as well. That's scary. I mean, the healthcare system already is in dire straits because of the centralization and the Obamacare, the expansion of government healthcare. I mean, uh, premiums are skyrocketing. Deductibles continue to skyrocket. Less and less is being covered when it comes to specialists. And then they say, well, just sign up for Obamacare and we'll just take care of you with the government programs. And it's not going to be sustainable here soon. So that's scary to me. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, interestingly enough, Andy, to your north, uh, to your northeast a little bit, we just helped about 500 nurses at the Mayo Clinic in Mankato, Minneapolis, Minnesota, to basically break out away from the Minnesota Nurses Association. They voted to push the Minnesota Nurses Association out of their workplace because they were not happy with what the union officials were doing there. We did another little unit up in in Minneapolis, uh, uh, St. James, another Mayo Clinic, a smaller group, where they pushed the American uh, uh, Council of or the AFSCME Union, American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees Unions, out of their workplace. And, you know, we talked a little bit about lawsuits. Down to the south of you in Texas, uh, our attorneys just won a $5.1 million jury verdict on behalf of a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines who was discriminated against and retaliated against by her union, the transportation workers. Uh, directly to your west in Colorado, we helped a bunch of King Super employees who were forced to go out on strike by their union officials and crossed the picket line and went to work and then were penalized for some we're up to $3,800 for actually going to work. We've got them freed from those disciplinary uh, charges out there. So we're all around you in Kansas, uh, Andy. Got lots going on around the whole country. I love it. I love it. It's sad that we have to, they say these unions represent the quote unquote workers and stand to fight for your rights and fight for your better benefits. But I mean, you guys are fighting against them left and right because of the punishment. Unless you get in line, unless you do exactly what they say and what they want you to do, then you're the enemy and we're going to come after you. It's a, I've never seen a mob-like mentality like this before. Well, it's interesting. They've been granted this unique privilege by the federal government going back to the 1930s where they are the monopoly exclusive bargaining voice in a workplace. And so if you're an employee who didn't ask for a union, didn't want a union, didn't vote for a union, unfortunately, you can be forced to associate with a private organization. And all of these cases that we have, all these those cases I mentioned in Colorado and Minnesota and Texas, 
they are all a result of that union power. And once you're granted that power, Andy, it's very, very easy for you to lose sight of what your, quote, mission is and become a political operation like most unions have done in this country. I mean, there are some great local unions around the country, but when you get up to the, the federal level, the, the large union international top leadership, these people are political, and they're political because they've been granted political privilege over workers all across this country. And it's only when workers stand up and have the courage to fight back is that it gets exposed, and we do win. I mean, the good news is we win these cases, like that jury verdict in, 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 in Dallas, Texas, I mentioned. Yeah. I mean, literally, the union demanded that a worker be fired. And the only place that the worker can go to get relief and defend it is, guess who? The union. They're the ones that have to grieve for them. So it's a really interesting problem and one that we continue to fight. And I appreciate you continuing to bring light to it. Well, sure. yeah, I'm glad that you are you're able to come on and talk about this so much. And I'm glad that we can try and get that word out because it is such an important one trying to fight for individual liberties, not have that group think mentality through a union. It is Mark Mix, National Rights Work Committee, also National Rights Work Legal Defense Foundation. Mark, always great to talk to you, my friend. We love it. Keep up the fight. Let's do it again here soon. We'll do it. Thanks, Andy. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. That does it for us today. Podcast up in a bit. Until then, keep on the fight. Be that catalyst in your own community. This is the voice reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow.